This is episode 96 of Off Script with Trish Glow's intimate interviews and fun conversations with interesting people. Joining me today via Skype, I have my good friend Barrett Tryon. Hi, Barrett. Hi, Trish. How are you? The I magic of television. I am great. I am so good. I'm so glad we're doing this. I met you um, how many years ago now? It's got to be two, three years. Longer than that. I want to say like five. All right. Well, it probably is. I lose track of time. Okay. Anyways, we, we need to tell everybody how we met. You actually applied for the anchor job here. I did. And um, they loved me so much. And so that's why I am now working at another News 10. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We, um, we hit it off right away, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, obviously, besides just being extremely handsome, uh, we we fell in love uh, with our love of dogs. We did. I mean, I'm pretty. I I feel like I'm pretty easy to get along with. I think you're incredibly easy to get along with. You're just so <laughs> you're so laid back. You're so funny. The one thing though that scared me about you is that you're so quick. It is. It's you know what? It's a sickness and a, it's a curse and uh, it's a gift and a curse. I like to say it. It really <laughs> is. But I um, I'm very competitive that way. Like I was just I right. remember telling Chad, my boss, like he's he's sharp, like he's witty and he's really quick and he's going to be funnier than me on TV. And I don't know if I can have that. We can't. No, we can't have that. <laughs> Listen, there's only one Oprah of Medford and <laughs> I'm talking to her. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Please do not call me that. OK. Barrett Tryon, let's let's get into this. I do want to say um, you you're a journalist. Yeah, you, you've been a journalist for several years. We'll talk a, uh, we'll talk about that. But this is probably the first non-coronavirus podcast um, episode of of Off Script I've had in probably the last month. So you are literally a breath of fresh air this morning. Well, that's exciting. Yeah. Listen, I'm happy to be here. We are going to talk about coronavirus because you are working from home right now. So I want to talk about that, how it's yeah. changed your life. But it's only going to be a small part of this. Let's get to first things first. Where are you from originally, Barrett? Born and raised in Sarasota, Florida. So uh, I there's like three natives uh, of Florida, and I am one of them. Um, beautiful beach town. If you've ever heard Siesta Key Beach, almost always wins number one beach uh, in the world. Beautiful powder white sand if you've never been. Mm. Uh, we like to joke that it's the other West Coast because it's on uh, the Gulf side of Florida. But uh, beautiful, beautiful little community that has just exploded since I was, you know, when I was there, back when I was 18, just a few years ago, uh, <laughs> you know, everybody's grandparents lived there. Uh -huh. and that's not the case anymore. It is, it's totally exploded. It's basically a suburb of Tampa now, and Tampa is an hour north. Uh, but very pretty. It's so nice to go home and, you know, be by the water and, and go walk the beach and have parents pay for things. Oh, man. <laughs> Isn't that the best? When It is the best. My mom was just out here a few weeks ago, and you know, she was, she wanted to do some laundry while she was here and I had clothes in the dryer. She pulled them all out, folded them for me. She's like, do you want me to put these That's away the for life. you? And I'm like, oh, yeah, mama. could you? Yes. I know. Uh huh. That is the life. And then after that, PB and J, please. Glass of milk. Oh, you know, what's funny. Um, I used to hate peanut butter when I was a kid, hated it. So I would have jelly sandwiches. And then it was like in high school gross. that I was like, I know, it, right? In, in hindsight, it is gross. So then in high school, I started having peanut butter. I'm like, oh, this isn't so bad. I don't know why I waited, you know, 14 right. years in my life. You to just start had doing jelly it. sandwiches? Now, yeah, isn't that gross? I mean, it really is gross to think about, but I was like, I was adamantly against peanut butter. What kind of jelly? 
Oh, Smuckers. Always Smuckers. It was like grape jelly. Mm. I know. Like that. I mean, I love grape jelly, but like thinking about it, like, ugh. Yeah. Well, grape jelly, that's the way to go. PB&J. Okay. Yeah, I agree. Um, so growing up in Florida, uh, you were always on the beach then, right? Yeah. I mean, always. Always, always. I, I mean, we'd leave, uh, you know, high school and we would go to the beach and just hang out. We would study at the beach. We just did. I mean, I just, I was a water baby. You know, mm-hmm. we had a boat growing up and um, lived on the water, have the pool. I mean, I was always in the water. Right. Always. Did you grow up with siblings? No, I'm an only child. Oh my God. I, that I explains so much. It doesn't it though. I, I always joke that my sister's an only child, but I, uh, I, it's a bad joke. Uh, no, I'm an only child. Yeah. Which doesn't listen after you have one of these, I think they were like, time out. We're good. We don't need any more. Yeah. I mean, literally you, they probably, they were probably, your mom was probably like, uh, we're done. This is your, yeah. I mean, all of your personalities, right? It's like having uh, exactly. There's kids. so many. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what was that like growing up as an only child? Was it great? Did you get bored? Were you lonely? Yeah, but you know what? Actually, a lot of my friends growing up, they were also only children. So I don't know if there was like some weird like parent conference where like we're only going to have one kid. Um, and for the even on my street, most of the people on my street were older. So like I didn't have a lot of kids on my street that were my age. Um, and I think what it did is I matured pretty quickly. My parents are very social people. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were always like at a debutante ball or doing something bougie. And so I was always with, I was always with sitters, but I was always around adults. Mm-hmm. So I think that that kind of forced me to be mature a little faster than other kids my age. Not that I didn't have a great childhood, but it just, I, I like can't relate. I didn't have to share anything. So that's like, that was like a weird concept going to school, worrying about like sharing stuff. <laughs> For sure. Do you have a problem with sharing now these days? No. No. In fact, especially when it comes to work, I have no problem sharing. <laughs> I like how you leaned in, like we we're, were yes. telling me a secret. In fact, I looking was. around. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, what were you like in high school then? Oh man, I was uh, I was senior class president, which should not surprise anybody who knows me. Uh, you know, I did the paper. I was captain of speech and debate. Um, I was very social. Mm-hmm. I was kind of, I, I mean, it was prom king, homecoming king, it, like ad nauseum. Um, and I guess kind of, I mean, probably like I look back and it was like, it's kind of dorky. Like when I look back now, but, um, I always wanted to do news and I, you know, I don't know. I just was very focused always, even in high school, like I was on the morning announcements and like, I'm like, this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, weird. I don't know. I, I look at I was very determined and focused and I was like ready to go to college and like, this is what I'm doing. And so I, I mean, I appreciate that. I definitely did not continue once I got in college. Yeah. I think if, if you and I went to high school together, we would definitely be buds because just right. We would probably compete for student body president. Oh, absolutely. For sure. I would have won too. That's okay. (laughs) Grin Barrett, Barrett all. Look at, I had so many try on. He'll try on, keep trying for you. I've got so many. I had so many good campaign slogans. That's really good. Sorry, I had Cooper nothing. wants to come say hi. We Cooper, have, we, this this was only a matter of time. Hey, buddy. Hey, Coop. Look at that face. Oh, buddy. I know. Has he been making some um, some appearances on on the morning show? On on the TV, yes, he of course. 
Yeah, everybody knows Cooper. In fact, uh, when we go walking, there's more people that are like, hi, Cooper, than they're like, hi, Barrett. Cooper is, is very well known. He's a, He has his own Twitter account. He of is course. kind of a big deal. Of course. Of yeah. course he is. <laughs> um, so you knew you wanted to go into this crazy business in high school. Yeah. I, 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 I knew when I was like five. My mom has pictures of me sitting on the back porch like pretending to stack paper, you know, talking into a soup can. Yeah, I always knew. In fact, fifth grade. I was voted to be uh, most likely to be the next Peter Jennings. Rest in peace. He was like my I, I, Peter Jennings was awesome, and I mean I always knew. I I mean lit all. I never wanted to do. I never like wanted to be the fireman, the astronaut, doctor. Mm-hmm. Never, never mm-hmm. interested in that. I would watch the Today Show and Good Morning America when it was like Joan London and uh, and Charlie Gibson, See, and I would sit there. And yeah. I would stare. I wanted to be Joan London so bad. I follow her on Facebook now. Do you watch her? She does these Facebook live videos. And I'm like, I'm, I'll watch. I'll, they're like an hour and a half. And I'll just sit there and listen to her talk. I'm like, this is so crazy that technology like lets me connect with her yeah. in that way all these years later. It's amazing. I have friends in high school that now that they see what I'm doing and they're like, oh, my gosh, that's so funny because you used to do live reports in the cafeteria at lunchtime. And I don't I remember that. doing that, but I was doing live reports from the cafeteria. So, yeah, it's the same thing. And I think it we're... It's a different breed when you know exactly what you want to do at such a young age and then you go for it and you're doing it. Right. And I've seen a lot of people get out of this business and they're sick of it. And I just, I don't know if I'll ever get out because it's so addicting. Yeah. I I mean, it is kind of like the mafia. Like once you're in, you're in. It's hard to, (laughs) do you know what I mean though? Yeah. It's hard to get out. It is. It's really hard to get out. And then I, I always think like, oh, what would life be like? not doing this and uh-huh. then i just can't imagine like sitting at a desk job no and being what is it like to be able to leave work at work and then come back on monday and you're still working on a project it's like that's not for me i right. can't do it no like when you leave when we leave this job on friday we're done we're done until monday yeah yeah right um so what college did you go to then um I uh, apparently hated myself, and I said, listen, we're going to go to the middle of nowhere. So I went to college uh, at Drake University in Des Moines, Iowa. So uh, quite the dichotomy, obviously, from beautiful Sarasota. Um, Had no idea how to do my own laundry, really didn't know what I was doing with cooking, and never really dealt with snow and or how to dress for cold weather. So that was a tr- and also learning um, that you can't slam your brakes on ice and you also just can't walk on ice like it's no big deal. So I learned all those life lessons the first semester of my freshman year. Oh um, man, that's brutal. Yeah, it was brutal. And I, you, you I made break. Uh, you majored in journalism. Yeah, broadcast news. So the reason I ended up going to Drake. Um, is uh so i also i got accepted to a couple schools and i also got accepted university of missouri and i know that that's one kind of like one of the journalism schools broadcasting schools in the country and i went back to visits to both schools and i ultimately chose drake um because you could get into the j school freshman year and mizzou just scared me so much that they're like well you have to apply your junior year and you might not get in i'm like i would hate to go through all this and Mm -hmm. then not get in um so that's ultimately why i went to drake and it was small class sizes you know 12 15 kids you knew in the parking lot who was in class and who wasn't um so you couldn't really skip classes you were really held accountable um but it was good i mean it i think it got me out of my comfort zone because i was in not close to my parents i'm dealing with the cold the first time you have to be independent so i feel like i i grew a lot 
uh, in that in the time that I was there. Yeah, uh, that very similar to my J school, small class sizes, especially as you got closer into your major of, of broadcast news. And I remember right. sitting in the school's auditorium with all of these freshmen and we did like a freshman year, there was a class once a week where they basically just brought all the freshmen together and it was just like a check-in class. Like, yeah. here's like life skills type of things. It was a, it was a great class, really smart. But on, in the auditorium up on the board, there was nothing on like in the rest of the room as far as being hung up and then there was just one thing up above the, like the the board and it said accuracy 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 and that's uh-huh. one of the biggest takeaways of journalism and journalism school for me and that was drilled into us that if you are not accurate in your reporting you are not ethical period that's true yeah i mean that's very true um I feel like we had something, we had a great professor and I cannot remember his name to say the light. He recently died, but it was the same thing. I mean, came up the newspaper route, was an editor of a paper for forever. And he, and that's what he talked about all the time. Just if you don't have that, then what do you have? Exactly. So did you love J school? Yeah. In fact, I love J school more than any other class. Uh, So I, I ended up, we had to do all, you know, they're like, you have to do a math prerequisite. And I'm like, Come on. And I just remember it was a Monday night class and it was like some calculus thing. And I'm like, this is like, I used to study. I could, I could read the entire textbook and spit it back to you, but I couldn't tell you anything, what anything that I struggled in that so much. Mm-hmm. I think people who are a school are very, or who are very creative and that's a problem anyway, but I was so excited to finally be able to focus on what I wanted to do. I, really excelled in my J classes and everything else. I was like, I, I'm just kind of flying by the seat of my pants. For sure. Um, as you are getting ready to graduate, I remember it was March of my senior year and I had straight up panic attack because yeah. I'm thinking to myself, I've got to get a tape together. My real sucks. You know, I look like I'm 12 years old and I've got this like right. oversized blazer on with the sleeves pushed up. Like, look how tough I am. Um, terrible, yeah. terrible reel. And my mom's like, you've got to get these out everywhere. And it was just sheer panic. Did you go through that? Try to look, find a job? So I was lucky. Um, also, I remember sending out VHS tapes, which is hilarious. Cause I remember that was like, it took forever to dub them. I started working, um, at one of the TV stations in town. I started with production behind the scenes, like running cameras when we still had camera people. And, um, and then I got bumped up, um, to be the morning producer. So I somehow worked overnights, still was taking 15 to 18 credit hours, and then like got everything done and still went to, you know, bed. It was, cr- I could never in a million years yeah. even imagine doing that again. Um, so yeah, I already had a job. So even after I graduated, I, I stuck around uh, producing for a while. Uh, but I do remember putting tapes together and, and being like, this is horrible. Mm-hmm. And who in their right mind would be like, oh, this kid can put together a story. For sure, yes, and I do. I sent out all VHS tapes. I think I sent out about forty-seven mm-hmm. VHS tapes, and I'm pretty sure a few of those had nothing on them because I I didn't do it right. Yep. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty right. certain someone opened up that tape, popped it in, and there was nothing on it. Pretty sure. Nothing, just but like an old Disney movie or something. <laughs> Probably <laughs> an it's old like episode Aladdin of uh, Dumbo. Yeah, an old episode of uh, Funniest Home Videos or something. Um, <laughs> so you worked at a local TV station in Des Moines. Yes. What station? Yeah. KCCI, KCCI, the CBS. 
great station. Our news director was there for forever. It, you know, longtime dominant legacy, number one station. Wow. Um, just awesome. I mean, they their anchors had been there for forever. The reporters were, I mean, the photogs have been there for forever. I mean, NPPA uh, award winner, Edward R. Murrow winner. I mean, just like, wow. just truck and like put all bring in all the awards yeah they they're an, it was an awesome it still is an awesome station but it would I, unfortunately i think that little that type of what i consider like a cinderella tv station doesn't necessarily exist everywhere else no so it's me. yeah i i bet and you worked you said behind the camera and then did you produce yep so i started uh yep i started behind the cameras and that's when, you know, we had to truck the cameras around. They were like the huge heavy thing. Uh, and then you have to like get the air compressor thing to make sure they could go up and down. Those were the days. Uh, and we had two studios and we, the other studio was gigantic. And I remember working the morning show one morning and we had like whatever, it was weather or something, but they needed my camera to go into the other studio because they had people performing, but they had to do that camera because it was closest to the wall for like the wires. And so the wires wouldn't cross you. Right. I just remember trucking and I thought the thing, I, it like hit something. I thought the camera's going to go down. It was crazy, but that was like no big deal. You know, that was, that's just what we did. It's funny. I don't think people realize what goes in behind the scenes. And mm -hmm. I talk about this all the time of like how the sausage is made on how we do all this every day. Cause I think if people knew they'd be like, what? I mean, there's a reason there's like a strategic thing, like we're, why we're taking this camera and not that camera for, you know, like technical reasons or something, or why are we standing here? Not, it's it's bizarre when you, it's like landing planes trying, it's like a puzzle, you know, trying to yeah. put it all together. Well, um, at KTVL, so, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, I so after mornings, I moved to the 5 p.m. And then uh, I did that for like two years. Okay. Uh, behind the camera or were you producing? Oh, as a producer, I was producing. Yeah, I produced our five o'clock news. Okay, and for those listeners who don't know, because I talk about producing all the time, but a lot of people are like, "What yeah. does that even mean?" So, as a producer, what were you doing? So think of it as like you just got a thousand-piece puzzle. You just opened it up, and it's sitting on you know sitting on the table in front of you. And your job is to kind of is to put the whole thing together. So by the time five o'clock rolls around, you have a product in the air. So it's. Um, choosing the importance of stories. Why is this story going here versus there? What is the graphical element to it? Is there video um, with it? Is it a reporter story? So uh, what are, is that reporter live? Where are we having anchor stand? Where are they And this camera, that camera? It, it's like an air traffic controller mm -hmm. trying to uh, put everything together. And then that's just barring no breaking news if there's breaking news then it's like we throw everything out and we're you know we're just running by the seat of our pants at that point because right. you're the only thing you're concerned about is getting off on time so that you can hit your commercial breaks and or go to network or or the next newscast or whatever it is so it i love that though mm -hmm. i mean that's why i'm in this i if i had the same thing every day i would you know i'd go i'd go crazy there is nothing like out. what's up i'm sorry no, I was going to say, even now, you know, like producers, it's totally different now producing than when it was when I did it. Um, I mean, think about like social media and web, how that is totally, you know, I, I got this. So I don't have to wait for, you know, until five o'clock exactly. uh, to know what's going on. So that has totally changed the way, you know, we we operate now. And there's nothing like breaking news and you blow out the entire newscast that you've been working on 
all day long. All day. But it's now gone mm -hmm. because this thing that's happening right now is way more important. That yeah. there is nothing like that in my opinion. I I agree. You know what? Honestly, those are way more fun to me um, than having a newscast that you worked on all day. And sometimes there are days that I'm like, oh, that was such a good story too. It's like, all right, well now it's in the six o'clock or now it's in the 11 or we'll yep. hold it for tomorrow or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's, it, there's the adrenaline rush that you get from that is way more exciting. And then that's when you really have to trust your team and you have to have a good working relationship. Cause when you start, especially as a producer, hopefully you're calling the shots to be like, you know, talking to the anchors, talking to reporters, mm -hmm. communicating what's going on with them, but also telling the control room what's going on next, take this picture, do this. It, uh, it's a lot, it's a lot to juggle. It is, and you have to trust, like you said, you do have to trust your team and trust that your anchor can talk for 45 seconds to a minute about absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. While yeah. you pull up this reporter who's live in the field or another live look at whatever's happening, um, you have to be able to trust you have to be able to trust all of those people. And I've told the new producers, because here at KTVL, we get so many new young producers who've never, you know, worked on a, on a newscast every single day. Hi, Coop. Um, and I basically, I say when breaking news happens, you've got to let it breathe, right? Just like let, right. let things breathe. Don't be so, such a time Nazi that oh, only give it 30 seconds. No, you've got to let all of that kind of breathe. Right. Absolutely. Uh, I know. He... He just wants the attention. Aren't the dogs the real winners of working from home? Because all they the do is they just get constant love of attention. Uh, absolutely. And that's something, too, I think, um, you know, we we kind of joke about this. But if you're a producer or really if you're in anything in TV, you're going to crash and burn. Mm -hmm. And you got to crash and burn. And until you crash and burn and that happens to you and you understand what happens and then be like, I don't ever want that to happen again. You'll never kind of like get it, I feel like, you know, yeah. and it's happened to all of us. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, people understand that it's live TV. I'm like, there are people who think that we tape like our morning show, for example. I'm like, I, what time would we tape it if it starts airing at 430 in the morning? <laughs> I don't know what would, what time do you want me to be here? And like, that's why if stuff goes wrong, don't you think if something would we'd be like, all right, stop, let's start over. It's not like Ellen. It's not like we have the ability to edit <laughs> stuff like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it happens. So yeah. agreed. So I don't know. you, after you're producing here um, in, in Des Moines at this point, and you're what, like yeah. early twenties at this point? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Do you want to be on air? I mean, is that the whole goal for you? Uh, yeah, I mean, ultimately it was, uh, but I was kind of a victim of my own success. I um, I won an Emmy when I was really young. And so then I was like, oh, this isn't so bad. And I liked to write and I had great anchors who really helped develop my writing. And so I just kind of, I, I stuck with it longer than I probably would have uh, because I stayed a producer. I, I made a jump on from there, um, but I stayed a producer for a while. Where'd you go after that? Um, <laughs> my life. Uh, so I made the uh, drastic jump. I went from Des Moines and I went to network and I uh, worked for NewsPath, um, which is uh, the affiliate um, news gathering service for CBS News. I also uh, was an associate producer for Evening News with uh, Katie Couric when she was still on CBS. Um, and so I, you know, I... I got away from kind of like the 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 daily like in the newscast actual quote unquote producing and I was more worried now about 
there's breaking news somewhere. We need to get that video. How do we get that video in working with the regional producers of these places and then getting it so that other affiliates could use it. So that was even talk about air traffic control. That was even more um, doing that. And from there, um, I went to Fox News because they they were like cherry picking people off uh, CBS News like crazy. And they like tripled my salary. And I was, I don't know, still in my early 20s. I'm like, okay, I live in New York City. Like, how bad could this be? And went to Fox News and uh, did the same thing. I worked with regionals. And then I worked on a show and I was just trying to think the name of it. It was called like America Live or it's it's now defunct. Um, But I was a segment uh, producer for them. Mm -hmm. Um, And same kind of thing. I just, it was just constant. It, it, constant chaos is the best way to put it, especially when you're working for a network that's on 24 hours a day. That was a whole different beast than what I was necessarily used to at, you know, CBS and like evening news because they're just putting one broadcast on a day that you're like, you know, you're worried about. Right. And for network, I mean, you're one of how many producers? Oh my God. I mean, I was a minion. There were, they had so many producers for evening and then they, they had them like, even if, you know, you have people in New York, then you have people in the Chicago Bureau and L.A. and, you know, all over. So there, I mean, there could easily be 100 people working on a single broadcast. And they're all trying to buy to get their piece in that show that day, working with, you know, their reporters. And even up until airtime, they're dropping stories at the last minute and saying, sorry, we're going to hold your story for tomorrow. We're not or there's something big breaking. We need to get it in. So even if you made it through the entire day and everything's done it's ready to go you go to airtime and all of a sudden you know their commercial breaks they're still changing stories around and moving things around so that's insane yeah it's a totally different kind of stress too i think just because everything is just i mean literally up to the minute and everything just kept changing so crash pieces is what they call like if there's crazy breaking news you know an hour and a half two hours before something getting a piece on the air so you have a it is it they do such amazing work and mm-hmm. it's always something crazy and you know just the correspondents are constantly on a plane going wherever every day they're you know hopping around living in hotel rooms it's it's such a wild life yeah it is and looking you know from the living room couch you would never know any of that is happening it's no seamless. It, yeah it is it is yeah it is seamless it's crazy that i mean that just the technology even today versus what it was 10 years ago. I mean, the fact that I can be live from my home, Mm -hmm. from my phone, instead of having a huge live truck or a huge sat truck, which, you know, was the norm 10 years ago. It's the, it makes logistics that much easier that you no longer have to worry about hundreds of yards of cable that you have to connect to the truck to bring inside. You can just use this. If they have Wi-Fi, you know, you're golden. It's so logistics, it has completely changed. Yeah, for sure. We had um, a, a huge fire here a couple of years ago in the city of Central Point, and it was literally in the middle of the city. And we had a couple reporters with live views who were out. And then my co-anchor mm-hmm. actually just took off and, and went to be somewhere live. And he was live via FaceTime, the entire newscast. It just blew my Isn't mind. Isn't that wild? It it's is. it's a it's a weird thing to think about. Yeah, it really is. And um, so, while you're in New York City and you're working that work, is this? Are you thinking like this is what I want to do? I, I've made it. I, I've found it. Are you still pushing to do something different? Yeah, I'm still like, oh, gosh, I wish I knew. I wish I knew what it was like to anchor. I wish I knew, you know, working in a small market. Because at this point, 
Des Moines out of 210 markets, Des Moines, I think is 70. It might be higher now. I don't know. I think it's in the seventies. Um, and then obviously network is like network. So I had never worked in like Lincoln, Nebraska or like Grand Junction, Colorado, or, you know, middle of nowhere, mm -hmm. Wyoming, um, to kind of get my feet wet and, and, you know, my hands dirty and, and to kind of know what it takes to, to kind of bust my chops a little bit in those kind of markets to be prepared to, to go somewhere else. Right. So what do you do? So uh, this is about, uh, this is really kind of right before the recession. And I had a bunch of friends, everyone who lives in New York moves to LA and, and LA goes to New York. And it's like this weird thing that happens and it happens to a lot of people. And I had a ton of friends leave New York to go to LA and I said, Oh, I'll go to LA. LA sounds great. Nothing but traffic and palm trees. What can I complain about? So I go to LA and uh, this is when the recession starts to hit. And I, this was like the very early on. So what is this? 2008, 2009, mm -hmm. 2009 ish. And um, I was in, uh, not interning. I was freelancing for uh, access Hollywood. And I thought, Oh, this is it. Like, this is awesome. I'm doing something that's not news. It's like happy, fun entertainment stories, whatever. Well, everybody is a freelancer because they don't want to pay people benefits and they do have like freelancer unions where you can get benefits. But because we're freelancers, they're like, oh yeah, we're going to cut your hours down to like eight this week. And oh, actually we don't need you this week. Can you come back next week when we do this other thing? And so they basically just eliminated all the freelancers. Wow. So now I'm living in LA. I, I, I moved in with friends uh, who moved out there. So, I mean, I wasn't paying much for rent, but everybody has a roommate. Um, and I remember talking on the phone with my dad and I was like, I love the weather here. The The traffic is terrible. You can never find parking. Um, but I got to figure something out because I'm like not working. He's like, yeah, <laughs> you got to figure something out. So um, because it was the recession, TV stations weren't, like hiring like crazy, everybody was kind of, um, you know, a little bit of a hiring freeze. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up going to Colorado Springs um, to back into local TV. And that news director was someone who was a news director in Kansas City that I had friends uh, who worked uh, worked with him before. And so they told about me and um, he's like, I'm going to hire you as a producer, but you're not going to be a producer. And then that that started my whole on air career. Wow. Okay. So I think I produced for like all of a week or two. And uh, then they moved me um, to be in charge of digital. But with that, I did like all the tech, trending, social entertainment. I did all that reporting. And that, I mean, that was my life for a while. This is really, I feel like that's when maybe the interactive producer really started to become a thing for TV yeah. stations. Um, I don't remember when we hired our first interactive producer, but there there always has been this big push to get everything on the web because TV's changing. And um, as you've already mentioned, you know, we don't wait until five o'clock anymore. We just go to our phone and go to the website if we want to see or read something. Um, so was that about the time that a lot of TV stations were really ramping up their interactive part? Yeah, I mean, so this is, yeah, this is like, I, I wanna say it was like 2010-ish. And it's, it's hard to think that that's been like 10 years, but um, that was when we were still trying to figure out what Facebook was and how TV stations can best use Facebook. And so I remember the big thing, it was all about getting likes. 
And so we did these crazy contests, mm-hmm. like giving away like 25 grand and giving away new grills and all this just to get more likes. Yeah. And the, the just how algorithm, algorithms then, I, it almost seems so naive, like how it works now. It's like a totally different thing, but you could post a link on Facebook and your page views would, you know, shoot up because they they didn't have everything in place that they do now to limit you know who sees what um and then i i strictly remember we got an app where you could send push alerts and that was a total game changer and i remember there was someone who was threatening to jump off from a building downtown and that's the first push alert we ever sent on our app and people were like how did you just send that to my phone um and then talk about page views the push alerts Right. The page views go through the roof when you send a good push alert. It's, it is crazy. And it's all, so, you know, Google Analytics and all that, you can see it in real time. Yeah, and if it's a, if it's something that people are interested in or, you know, if there's a, anything breaking that mm-hmm. definitely affects people. I mean, you're, it it is insane. And it's really the, the open click-through rate is usually within, like, I mean, some it's instant for the most part. Even like a minute, two minutes after, that's like when everyone's viewing it. Like people, I will say, are are consumers for the most part. Like you send a push alert, it's a good push alert. They're going to look at it instantly because of our attention spans, I feel like, anymore. Right. We have the Google Analytics on a ginormous TV in the newsroom. And when we send those things out, it's fun to watch. It's fun to watch that in real it time. Is. It is. Yeah. Um, so you're in Colorado doing this. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So. Is this something that, because this is obviously very different from producing in a way, did you find um, something new and different and fresh and you were just like hooked? Yeah, I I felt like, um, if you haven't figured it now, I have a little bit of a personality. And it was it was very hard to contain that producing because you're 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 not involved with the public. It's not a front facing job at all. So to be able to have that outlet and then kind of give a face to who was behind the the you know Facebook wall per se, mm-hmm. um, that allowed me to connect with viewers. And then it gave viewers a way they felt it was a real person. So that kind of transformed. We were pretty, we were still pretty new. I remember doing it then. There weren't a lot of stations that had someone doing that. So um, then I just became the face of all of our digital platforms. And then that just kind of, that, I mean, try putting that uh, worm back in the can. It's, yeah. it's like, you know what I mean? Like that's done. Like that unleashed a whole new thing. Um, well, I could see that being a really just, good outlet for you because you do have such a huge personality. And I'm sure that probably came out in newscast from time to time, but you can't really do that in a, in a newscast. But when you're talking about social media, right. yeah, it can come out for sure. Right, absolutely. Um, and yeah, I, I think, like I said, again, I, it was really kind of one of the first times that viewers put a face to a name and like kind of connected it all. And I think it made it more real. And I, I think maybe having someone who could digest and go through the things and explain what's going on and this is what this person sees. I, and I... And I say that one of the big things that happened when I was in Colorado Springs was the Waldo Canyon fire. And I don't know how many years ago it was, but um, this uh, huge fire came over the ridge and it destroyed like 300 homes in like one day. And just how social media, I remember um, just recording updates on, um, this was way before Facebook Live, just, just kept recording updates of showing what I was showing and posting it to Facebook of videos. Um, just crazy and Twitter was going crazy because people were giving real-time accounts 
you know, what's going on. So that kind of changed the way we, I think that was like, at least in that market, that was one of the big things that kind of redefined how people get their news. Cause we were getting stuff on Twitter and updating Twitter way faster than we could get it on TV just cause it was, you know, instantaneous. Yeah. It, it is crazy. The, the way that, that social media has absolutely changed our jobs for sure. Yeah. Uh, where do you go after Colorado? Um, so I went to Kansas city, mm -hmm. um, and I was in Kansas city. Kansas city is a great town. Don't get me wrong. It just wasn't for me. I just, I didn't mesh with Ken. I don't know. I, it was a big market. Um, I, I worked with great people. I just kind of was like, you know, not sold on it. So I was there only for a hot minute and that's when I went to Vegas. Mm. Um, and I was there uh, three years. I love. I worked for Channel 8 in Vegas. Um, awesome, awesome station. Great people there. They created this social media producer position. Um, they wanted to bring up their Facebook likes. We did, we did some crazy promotions. And we did. And we were the market leader the whole time I was there. Uh, but they let us try new things. I would go on air and talk about stuff. They were really... They were really all of, I remember Vine was really big then. And so they were all about like having us try to experiment and do that kind of stuff and working with anchors and reporters on how to tell their stories using social media and getting our news tips through social media before that there wasn't really a gatekeeper necessarily paying attention to all that stuff. Um, which is funny because that's very commonplace now, but it's just still even then, I mean, that's 2013 maybe. Mm -hmm. So it still wasn't, you know, that's still seven years ago. So it still wasn't what it was, you know, today. So, um, yeah, it was just like on the forefront of that. And then we were owned, uh, privately owned, which that's not really a thing that happens anymore mm -mm. with TV stations. And uh, one of the big conglomerates came in and they said, don't worry about your jobs. Everybody is okay. And then it was like bloody Friday. They came through and just chopped that newsroom mm. i mean in half um wow and so that's when yeah and so that's when i was um i'm like do i really do i still want to do news and uh i was let go on a friday and that monday i already had a job uh the um i went to go work for the city of las vegas as a public information officer so like a spokesperson for the city but they were relaunching um their uh, website and app and they wanted someone to lead it up. And so I, I said, listen, I'll do it. But I like, honestly, like long term, I think I'll probably miss news too much. Um, and so I kind of went into it and it was like at the six month mark, it was great. We worked uh, four 10 hour days. So I always had a three day weekend. That was great. Yeah. I'm not mad about that. But in, but in government, we had meetings about meetings about meetings. I'm like, we, this could have been an email, like literally could have been an email. We don't, I don't need to, what, what are we doing? We're having another meeting about a meeting that we're going to have later in the week. And so it just was, <laughs> it, you know what I mean? It just yeah. was, it, it wasn't me. It wasn't for me. And so, um, I did that for like eight months. I'm like, I got to get back into local news. So I moved again for the 14th time and I went back to Colorado Springs, but I went back to another station in town and, uh, it's um, I went there with telling my news director that um, I want to anchor full time and that's the that's the route I want to go. So how do we make that happen? And so I reported um, also did digital for the I like wore so many hats there. I produced I reported uh, I filled an anchor for them to kind of get a new tape together. 
And that's when I started looking and really seriously looking about, I need to, like, if I want to anchor, I need to either pull off the bandaid or, you know, not do it. So I feel like I'm taking up your entire podcast. It's all me talking. I'm sorry. I love it. I love it. I love listening okay. to this story. Okay. So, um, okay. Back to me. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's my line. We, um, I know I'm sorry. Um, so I was in Colorado Springs kind of slowly looking for kind of the right opportunity to anchor somewhere. And I wanted to go to a smaller market because I kind of knew I don't necessarily need a huge audience taking a look at me from when I'm first anchoring. And as you know, I mean, look at, if you looked at your tapes from now, it's like a, you know, totally different person. Like even just, uh, yeah, little stupid anchor dynamic things uh, like, you know, you just don't know about that you learn about. So that's when uh, I said, well, I love living places that are warm and I want to move somewhere else that's very warm. So I moved to Missoula, Montana. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um, I started as the morning reporter there. I was only morning reporter for like two months. And then they said, all right, uh, it was uh, the, the morning anchor they had, the male morning anchor. He was moving to one of the other affiliates. Uh, one of, oops, sorry, I just threw a pen. He was... Uh, I get real excited. Uh, he was moving to one of the other stations. We had all the NBC affiliates on the western half of the state. So he moved to one of the other affiliates and said, you know, would you be interested in anchoring? And so I tried out and so did this other uh, one of the other reporters. Anyway, lo and behold, they wanted a guy with uh, no hair and uh, a big nose. And uh, here we are. So then I did I, I did that for two years, two years you, in Montana. You are a very good morning anchor it just suits you thank you it just suits you yeah it does suit my personality yeah i could do like a afternoon like lifestyle show i i have never listen i have never really been like oh i'm gonna be the 11 o'clock anchor that it was never like i never thought that when i was growing up i always thought like oh i want to do mornings mm -hmm. and, um i just have the personality for it you really um, do and you're on a morning show right now yes so now i'm in lansing uh, I'm on uh, the NBC affiliate in Lansing. Yep. The other news 10, as I said, a little shameless plug. Um, I know. And, uh, yeah, so I, I do that here now and it's, I will say they, um, they let, they let me get away with a lot. They, um, we, we do a lot of news, but they, they give us time to let the show breathe and to have personality. And we do, um, a daily Facebook live excuse me, during the newscast that gives people, they can talk to us in real time. So, um, you know, that that was a cool way to kind of, you know, bring people in that just see whatever on television, but they're like, oh, that's what you do when you're not on camera. And oh, that's what you do during commercial breaks. Or, you know, just kind of get be able yeah. to show up your personality a little more. Um, yeah, so that's where I'm now. And I, you know, I will, I have, if you know anything about this business, you know, agents will reach out to you or they'll say, hey, are you, do you want to be represented? And every agent who reaches out to me, they're like, yeah, you're made for morning TV. Like you can't, you can't not be on morning TV. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe one day I would like to be able to sleep in because my sleep schedule is horrible. But yeah, mornings are not, <laughs> mornings are, no. are tough. Um, I did mornings for just a few years here. And they're they're pretty brutal, and it really does mess with your social life. But they're so fun. Absolutely. Oh wait, I just thought. Are you there? I'm here. Oh, my phone's ringing. Now. Oh. Um. Do you need to answer it? <laughs> How do I switch my? Own? 
Don't you dare. Don't you dare hang up with me, Barrett. Oh, and see now, I can't, we can't hear you. I can't hear you now. Can you hear me? There Can we you go. Hear me? Can you hear there me? There we go. Um, you are made for morning, uh, morning TV. In fact, um, I know that social media part of you really never, never left you because you're all over the place with, in, in a good way, um, on social media. And I'm really thinking about the Starbucks. Um, oh. Was it the unicorn frappuccino? Mm, Did yeah, you, it was. You, you tried this, what, like live on Facebook Live or something? You tried it? Um, yeah, I actually um, did it old school. I um, did a video. I did like a, a little recording of it. And it had just come out. And I thought, no one's going to, like, who cares? Like, it's just some idiot. Oh, well, little did I know that everybody on the planet enjoyed it because it was disgusting. And it was my gut reaction. People were like, you're acting. I'm like, I wasn't, I mean, I'm expressive anyway. Um, and it was disgusting. I mean, Starbucks corporate reached out to me and said, hey, it, does, it doesn't look right. We can make a new one. You know, it, it was like 5 million views and people still comment. It actually just had, it was the anniversary of it like a couple days ago. No way, really? Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah, I mean, because it was a big thing. Obviously, the, the unicorn frappuccino came out, and so people were trying it. And I think you were one of the first to do it and, and post it on social media, and it was hysterical. Yeah, it was gross, but yeah. it was disgusting. <laughs> Good times. Um, getting back to Facebook Live during the newscast, do you guys do Facebook Live every morning? Yes. Okay. I'm not a fan of Facebook Live during the newscast. Here's why. Because people can see everything that goes on in commercial breaks. So they see me like this on my phone and they think I'm like mm -hmm. just sort of scrolling Facebook, right? I'm like, no, I'm reading emails and talking to reporters. And then I get, Trish, why are you touching your hair so much? Like I just get the, the weirdest comments and that they're not nice. And so I just, I've stopped. I don't like it anymore. People ask what I'm doing with my hair a lot of too, because I, I tend to twirl it a lot. Uh -huh. I play with it a lot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you know, do a little of this, sometimes I get, I get my cowlick under control. Yes, please. Uh, people, um, what's funny, uh, what happens to us, people are like, you look really serious, or they're like, you have RBF, and I'm like, I'm trying, to, I'm like over here trying to read a script and change something, like I can't be a puppet, and like, also that'd be creepy if I was smiling the whole time. Um, so they don't necessarily understand what you're doing right. at all. Yes, and it also, I feel like, a lot of a lot of people who tune into Facebook Live sometimes, that's when you really see the the ugly side of some mm. of your viewers. Mm -hmm. I'm just not a fan, you know. I'm just like, be nice. Oh. Yeah, be nice, exactly. Or be like, oh, I can't see the video, or I can't hear you, or oh, you're out of focus. Oh, your picture's backward. I'm like, this is just supposed to be like, hey, how are you? Good to see you. <laughs> Thanks, Sarah, for saying hi. Not, it, I'm not supposed to be like delivering. Like, turn on your TV. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, Karen. Um, let's yeah, talk about <laughs> let's talk about coronavirus. How have how has your life changed in the last month and a half? Oh, so it's probably even weirder for me. Um, I was on medical leave. Um, I started on February twenty first. Um, I had skin cancer removed on my nose and neck. I'm one hundred percent cancer free. That's the good news. Um, yes, amen. Um, so I came back and all of a sudden they're like, oh, we're going to, you know, have you anchor from home. 
I don't know how to anchor from home. I don't have, you know what I mean? Like we, right. this is not something that we go to a studio. We, you know, like I, this is not like set up. I have 87 laptops, iPads, you know, I have cords galore. I have a huge light staring at me. It's like my house has been turned upside down. And I realized that it is just that way for everybody else. Everybody else is like, how do we do this? And I think it's just learning that, listen, that newscast is gonna go at five, six, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. It's gonna go on whether or not I'm ready. Mm -hmm. So it's totally changed how we have to gather news and we're using like these apps to like be in group chats all day long. And just that and the, I mean, my email has probably tripled and you just cannot keep up with you know what's going on. And somehow our whole digital team is at home and they're still able to stream video coming in from NBC from home. And I have no idea, like that's magic to me. I don't know how that's you know happening. Um, but it's it's kind of forced you to kind of, I mean, if you did not have good time management skills, you probably do now because you're forced to because you're trying to figure out what to do. And I feel like maybe you don't shut off exactly like at five o'clock or you know whatever because you're still trying to figure out do they still need something? Did that did that video send? How are we doing these Zoom interviews? Everyone wants to do a FaceTime. It's like record. It's like oh my word! It's mm -hmm. so much. It's just so much. And to not have like your desktop computer at work where I have like three monitors and a mouse, and that's, all of a sudden that's gone. It's just a totally different world. But yeah. with that said, um, broadcast news, I think for the most part is very slow to adapt to change. And this forced us all to change, I think, very quickly. And I think for reporters, um, and I think even necessarily for stations, all of our reporters have laptops and their own gear now assigned and they have, they can do everything. So they actually never have to come back into the station. And that's kind of how it probably should have always been anyway. So now they are just totally, you know, they're at McDonald's using free Wi-Fi to like upload stuff or do whatever, they can go home and do it. So there's not necessarily need to have these giant newsrooms with empty desks that are empty, you know, all day long. So yeah. I think that's the cool part. It's forced us to kind of shake up how we are doing the news. And, you know, I think that part is probably for the better. And I have a feeling a lot of those processes will stick around after this is done. Yeah, that's one thing we've, we're seeing here. Reporters are having their stories set up two, three days in advance because there is so much happening and there's so many different angles. And I've been telling them, this is how it should be, actually. Like, you should know what you're doing tomorrow, today. Right. And I think it's really teaching them, it's teaching them, like you said, time management, and they're really having to, like, I mean, this is what a reporter is. You're out in the field. That's why you're a field reporter. Like, you know, news doesn't happen in the newsroom. That's what I always say. Right. Um, okay. Well, I'm glad you're cancer-free. I saw that on, yeah. on Facebook. Was it melanoma? No, it. Uh, thank goodness. It was basal cell carcinoma, which is the most common skin cancer in the uh, in the country. Um, and I'll just say this: as we're, uh, this is my health PSA. Um, I so on my neck, it was um, it was a mole on my neck, and it was just like it just kept growing, but it was very subtle. But it just it, it sat right in my collar line. It just irritated me. So um, I had that. I had it checked out, and she immediately looked at it and said, "Oh, this is definitely basal cell." Um, and then, so I had a full body check and I've done a ton of stories kind of educating people about this. And uh, one of the doctors said to me, and it's so true, you can only see half of your body. 
So the importance of just going once a year to get a check with your dermatologist, sometimes moles in your body or spots or whatever it is, you're like, oh, that's gotta be melanoma. How can it not be? Or that's gotta be something and it's not. And so just go to them and get it taken care of. And on my nose, it sat right on, um, right like where my sunglasses would sit. Yeah. And it's a very common spot on the side of the nose that, you know, that people get it. So if there's anything you're concerned about, just go and get it checked because listen, I waited too long on this. This was, this had to come off no matter what. Um, but a lot of times they don't have to, I, I had pretty major surgery. They don't have to do that if, if you get it caught early enough. Yeah, I had a teeny tiny, it looked like a freckle, but it was a mole on my calf. And I just remember one day, it was, I think it was 2008, I remember looking at it and just saying, this looks bigger. It looks like it's growing. And I don't think that's, that should happen. So I got right. into a dermatologist and they, took it off and it came back, it was melanoma. And they had to go in wow. and take out a major chunk of my calf because you have to get down to a certain point to make sure you get all of it. And they got it right. all, thank goodness. But I just remember thinking, you're right, yeah. Like if I hadn't, you know, if I didn't make that appointment, if I didn't get it checked out and it got bigger, I mean, it could have spread. It's just scary. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, especially melanoma. You just don't want to mess with it. Mm -mm. Um, yeah, cause, and because and, it will just keep going up. It will, it, it just keeps trying to go up. So exactly. I mean, that was the concern with the neck too. If it gets, if it got into my glands, he's like, you're, he's like, I'll be very honest. Like you're very young to get this, but he's like, if it would have gotten your glands, he's like, it will spread and it'll go to your brain. He goes at that point, it's just making sure you're comfortable. So that's like a wake up call. So wear, <laughs> wear sunscreen. Wear sunscreen and make an appointment with a dermatologist and get checked out once yeah. a year. So very important stuff. Um, Barrett, Tryon, you have been so much fun. Well, thank you for having me well, on your we, dog and pony show. You are. You're always my, my dog and pony show. We do have to get to the final three, which I tweaked one of the questions. I hope you did your okay. homework on these. Yes. Um, best advice you've ever been given? Um, I had to look up the quote because I didn't want to mess it up. Um, it's kind of like twofold. One, dream big. I remember my third grade teacher saying, if you want to be a news anchor, there's no reason you can't be a news anchor. And I think that's important. Don't let society, don't let social media, don't let whatever um, prove you otherwise. Like if, if there's a will, there's a way. And um, this is a Maya Angelou quote. And I, I just feel, I, I feel like I always try to look for the best in people. But when someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. I just feel like that's just like great life advice. Cause I think sometimes we give people benefit of the doubt, not to be overly negative, but uh, I think sometimes we give people benefit of the doubt and then they come back and you're like, Oh, that's weird. I don't know. Trust your gut instinct always and uh, dream big. Those are my, the, the, my two big, I think takeaways. Fantastic. I've had one other person on this podcast um, with that Maya Angelou quote. Really? Uh-huh. Yeah. I think it's so powerful. It's I think really I, I, I think it's very true. Yeah. Especially in these times, like with everything going on, that people are kind of unfiltered and you know their guards are down and, um, yeah. Okay. Um, question number two is usually for those who live in Southern Oregon. Um, if you ever left right. this place, what would you miss the most? What would bring you back here? I know you were only in Southern Oregon for like forty-eight hours, maybe. So just tell me what you loved about Southern Oregon. Besides well, me, I, of course. Of, well, besides you, right, and Chad. What um, what was the name of that little town where we went to get dinner? Um, Ashland. Ashland. Yeah, so I just remember just 
and then we went downtown. I want to say the net for brunch or like the yeah. next day. Downtown. We went to Over Easy. We went to Over Easy and okay. had mimosas. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Um, I could go for a mimosa right about now. Um, <laughs> I just think you could just even tell, and in, in in both spots, how it is this little community, and it's. I feel like it's kind of like this little bubble, and it's protected, and every you know, like good people. They're just good energy, and plus, it's so beautiful. I mean, it really is. I remember when you took me up to the um, that outside theater. Uh, with, Brit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, how cool is that? Like, just stuff like that, and then of course. Um, all the wineries, just, just a cool, I feel like it's a hidden treasure because how would I ever know like Southern Oregon, you know, would look anything like that. So just this cool little magical place that's kind of, you know, tucked away and protected. And if you were just driving down, what is that? I five, mm-hmm. uh, you just drive, you would not necessarily have any idea that these little gems are, are hidden off to the side there. Yeah. That's our plan. That's, that's yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's working. It's good. All right. Um, and then the final question last meal last drink final meal final drink what would that look like i'm such a fatty but i (laughs) love chicken parmesan oh yeah like a well done chicken parmesan is like i don't care if i can't eat for a week that's it and then always it's always would be something with i probably add fries in there too um but also uh, a vodka cranberry that's kind of like my go-to drink we like to switch it up in the summer, maybe vodka lemonade. We'll sometimes do an Arnold Palmer with it. You know, just, I, I love my vodka. You do. Tito's, right? Yeah, correct. Listen. Right here, just wait for me for later. <laughs> That's the best. All right, well, give kisses to Coop. You've been so much fun. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being this breath of fresh air during all of this chaos right now. Um, I, I absolutely well, I appreciate you having me on. Listen, this is the thing that's going to win you some type of like Emmy for best use of new media or something. It's going to be this broadcast. I want you to remember that. Okay. All right. We'll then after that we'll just hit the road. We'll go on the. Sh- we'll just take this show on the road. Grin and Barrett, you'll be grin. Uh huh. Yeah, I could do that. Uh, okay. If you are if you're listening to this podcast on Apple's podcast app, please subscribe, rate, and review. It helps other people find us. We're also on Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Video versions can be found at ktvl.com. Just click on Features, then off script, and YouTube. One more time, Barrett Tryon, my good buddy um, in Lansing. Thank you so much, and stay sane out there. Stay, stay safe and sane. Safe, safe and sane. Thank you, you too.